Hello my friends and welcome back to Phantom Talk, including our wonderful newer segment, N newer, you know, this is episode 5. This is episode 5, really? Yeah, of oh my Lord. Brothers with Issues. We've got issues. And you'll want them too. And boy do we have issues. We do, we do. We're, we have so many issues, we're behind, Jake. We we do. We do have I didn't know if you were going to point that out or not. I was. I'm, I'm holding you accountable because you're the one leading this one. Yes, exactly. Yes, because mm -hmm. I, I am leading the Marvel one, so yes. No, I should I should be in here every day just throwing comics at you saying, read this now! Or just and reading them yourselves. I, oh, mm -hmm. aha. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we have fun. Um, as you will know, if you have listened to any of the Brothers with Issues uh, episodes, if you haven't and you're just jumping in, Boy, you're what a, be confused. What an episode to jump in on. Um, but my name is Jacob Vance Hardesty. I am the editor in chief of this wonderful group and one of the co hosts of this wonderful segment, The Brothers with Issues. I am joined by my brother, Josh. The Wise Josh. Sage. The Wise Sage. Josh, you doing alright today? I'm doing alright. Good, good. You ready to talk about some crazy Marvel stuff? I have thoughts. Happening? You have thoughts? I'm sure you have thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. Alright. Well, we're going to get right into it. Um, real quick, did you read them in this order? Uh, actually, no, I read them in reverse order. In reverse order? On, I read them like You read that first? Oh. No, I read that, that, and that. That's what, I'm going left oh, to right. Oh, okay. That's what you meant. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, we can work with it. I can work with that. All right. Okay. Well, in that case, Josh, we actually get to start right off with something that you really wanted to address I last did, week. I did, You did. So, for those of you who do not remember, if you need a quick recap, um... Ooh, a quick recap of this from episode three, I guess that would be the last Marvel one we did. How about yeah, that? the last Marvel one we did? Because um, I'm leading the Marvel ones, Josh is leading the DC ones. If you haven't had a chance to check out our Dark Crisis ones, they have been a lot of fun as well, and you guys absolutely should. But um, when we last left off, uh, so we are starting off with X Men Red number five. Um, so the X Men Red team deals with all the guys who are on Araco, formerly known as Mars. Um, don't worry about it. Um, but, uh, but yes, X-Men Red picks up right where Judgment Day 1 leaves off, um, with Magneto, Storm, um, Nightcrawler, just all these guys being taken out, and this comic kind of shows you how they were taken out, kind of shows you the background of what actually happened. Um, Uranus, who is Thanos' uncle and also an Eternal, um, had an hour to take out basically the entire planet of Araco, and he decimates, I think, something like 96% or something like that, something, what they say. I mean, it really doesn't matter. He yeah. kills a lot of people in an hour. He kills a lot of people in an hour, um, because, of course, a lot of the... And that's something that they do bring up in this, is that a lot of the mutants are non-combatant mutants, uh, such as having different powers that don't really make a whole lot of sense in combat. Well, yeah, so. so on Araco, of course, you know, one thing's that... They, they found out, of course, they're actually trying to build a civilization, so they've got, like, mm -hmm. art places and, like, you know, everything like that, and, of course, they're just not prepped to uh, to face a, a titan, is essentially what it is. Yeah. Um, so I thought they did a good job of showing that. But I, I do have to take a step back, Jake. Okay. Why is that? Because I had originally stated, mm -hmm. I originally stated the only way I was going to accept, and i got to be honest, actually, I'm still kind of there, <laughs> kind of there, but, like... In my mind, it happens between panels. Yeah, but but they, they they do try to explain how how Uranus can take out Magneto. Couple of ca caveats, okay. Mm. I thought Storm was on Mars. Storm is not on on Araco. Okay, she's apparently 
with the council. Yes. Um, so Storm, so 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 Uranus does not take out Storm and Magneto. So which, you know, would have been a bit much. I yeah. think. Okay. Um, but there's a couple things that happen. A couple of big things that happen. One, um, Iska the Unbeaten, you know, uh, is a turncoat mm-hmm. for reasons. Now, well. So her her mutant ability is she's never on the losing side. So, uh oh, maybe the mutants are going to lose. Whoa, wrong. Her mutant her mutant ability her mutant ability is that she is is that she can't lose, which mm-hmm. is would one I hate that ability. Two, I'm hoping Kieran Gillen hates as much as I do, and it's just like okay, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of uh, we're gonna get rid of Esco the unbeaten Esco the unbeaten mm-hmm. uh, the unbeatable. Um, the reason, I, and I realize this out Ewing, but Kieran Gillen's over this thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping Kieran Gillen went in like, I hate this thing. I, oh, Because it really was my least favorite part of Ten of Swords um, because I don't like, I don't like Deus Ex Machina to begin with, and mm-hmm. I especially don't like it when there's an easy solution to it, which Nightcrawler, to the credit, is like, oh, if Iska is on their side and she can't be beaten, then we're just going to take her out of the equation and, like, drop her over the Atlantic Ocean or something. Which is genius. Mm. You know, he loses, he breaks his arm for it. Um, but I, I, I did I did think that that adds a whole other element to it. Mm. Um, but I, I, I mean you're reading her mutant ability different. Are you, are, are you saying that she, mm. are you saying that she can visualize what side is going to win and then just sides with that side? That's kind of what I... What I saw it as. Well, that's not be being wrong, the though. unbeaten. And that's true. Yeah, that is being the flip flopper. <laughs> and Iska the flip flopper doesn't have the exact same. <laughs> Iska the flip flopper would be a great name. Well, I'm just saying that's that's not I mean, that's not being unbeaten. I'm just saying she's Iska the flip flopper in this issue. Because, Ayo! Well, that's true. <laughs> but that's that's the thing. Like she goes. By the way, um, you know, she she says something effective. By the way, I'm on the eternal side. And Nightcrawler's one of the figures. Oh crap! She can't be beaten. So we got to get her out of here. Okay. But here's the thing. There's there's a couple really like. Any, any, you know, like I already feel like I know how this is going to happen. One, they can, they, they can, they need to transport her far away and make her the mutant equivalent of the zombie in, and uh, in, in it follows. Where like every time you see her coming, you're just like, okay, we need to go and transform her away. Okay, just every single time. Or Reed hasn't shown up yet, but we know Reed can hide the X gene, which means he can probably get rid of it. Mm. So I'm just saying, mm. like, it seems like I'm already like. Looking ahead and seeing like potential solutions, like how these things can because like really hate Iska because I, I, I don't like Iska and I feel like that's that's the only way you can deal with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Jake. What did you what, what did you think of the explanation of Uranus's uh, ability to destroy everything? I was I was okay with it strictly because because once again it is <clears throat> they are they are I consider them caught unawares. I know that they are literally discussing the issue as it happens. Yeah. But once again, they're discussing the issue. They have not made a plan for the issue, um, and they're not expecting a Thanos level equivalent to immediately show up on Arako at this point. Um, I know that we like to think of we like to think a lot of us, you know, probably think, oh well, it's Thanos. I mean, the Avengers have already beaten him. Okay, but here's the thing: even not even, just taking comics aside, think about just the movies. That took a five-hour film to get to get that off the ground, including five years of the Avengers having to 
really kind of figure out how to actually take him out. So I'm okay with the mutants being blindsided, basically. I know that in your mind you're just like, okay, but Magneto should just be able to just be like, I'm Magneto, and just win. And I get that. Here's the thing. I would have... If that's what this issue was, was just actually Magneto just wins, which... Uh, um, I would be okay with that, because I'm 100% okay with that, because it's, it's Magneto. But at the same time, I am, I am also okay showcasing the Eternals have a nuke in their back pocket, basically, if Druig decides to drop him anywhere. They've got okay. a couple. I they mean, do have a couple. We're, cause but we're, that's that's what I'm saying is that this is okay. This is one of the Eternals nukes, right. basically, and I'm okay. I'm okay showcasing that very early on because you know, once again, let's look at the optics of this. Let's look at the from a from a film perspective. Okay, from a film perspective, if you have even the Fox X Men. With the MCU Avengers versus the MCU Eternals, which of those three teams do you think is the weakest of those three? I mean, I, I guess the Fox X Men. I don't know. Oh, okay, who, well, who who is? I would say the Eternals. You think the Eternals? Are? I, I would say the Eternals. The, yeah. the the God the the the. Okay, so the Eternals, as I understand, and I, I guess we're going to do this every time because, once again, neither one of us understand Eternals lore and don't <laughs> even know how it works. But Eternals, as I understand, are like a bunch of less cool silver surfers. Sure. Okay. But what? What? Let me. Okay, let me rephrase. What I'm getting at is this. To me, it goes to show that the Eternals have. I know. Here and Gillen's trying to establish the Eternals and they're like, "Listen, okay. guys, they're not really just dorks." Okay, look, here's Uranos. He's <laughs> just like you know. They're not really just like the least interesting dictators of all time, like Drig. You know, like here, here's, but like here's my problem with that. It's like it, it's it's Uranos. Uh, this okay. I promise. This is the last time I'm complain about Uranos on this podcast. Mm. I'm not gonna complain anymore about it because you've already heard my opinions on okay. it. Okay. But this is the last one. Eleven minutes in, ladies and gentlemen. Eleven minutes in. It's the last mm. time I will complain about him. Okay? okay. But this is all we'll say. All right. He is literally the seven year old kid's invention of Thanos. We're like, I go, I've got my Thanos action figure. And you go, well, I've got Uranus, so that's Thanos' uncle, and he's way stronger than Thanos. That's what it is. Oh, no! Exactly. It's, 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 it's literally like I brought my dinosaur who eats forceful <laughs> dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th- that's my main issue with, with Uranus is like he's just not... He's not interesting because all he is is Super Thanos. That is true. He's basically like the Sentry, and like, and we all we always know, like at least with the Sentry, like you had to deal with like his like you know like weird mental issues that mm-hmm. Norman Osborn was playing on. But like, there's uh, the the thing about the the overpowered characters. The reason I don't find them that interesting is because there's always going to be a really, really simple solution to it, which is just, apparently, Magneto, it can't be killed because he's got a bionic heart or something. I don't know. I don't... I, I, you, you've been keeping up with X-Men more than I have. What, what, what happens on that last page? So, so I'm, I'm glad we just kind of jumped, because, honestly, the entire issue is just how is Uranus killing all these yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Um, until you get to the final part. Well, you get to watch Cable pull out the most ungodly big gun of all time. <laughs> And then Uranus, and like they're like you know, in the year three thousand, it will be you know, uh, illegal because it's a. It yeah. will be classed as a weapon of absolute destruction, yeah. and banned from use in warfare. Yeah, and then it says it weakens Uranus. Yeah, exactly. It's just like so stupid. Like I mean, come on, like what, 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 
the problem the problem I have with okay I said I said I was gonna uh, yeah it only right, took me three minutes okay okay but like the issue there is like if if this guy's this strong how did, it's not explaining us how Druig is just keeping him right like how, what is what is he doing I mean he has something he's on a timer like he has something he literally has an hour. Is he like on a phantom zone kind of thing, sure. or like I don't, I don't know. It's you don't a, know? It's, okay, it's eternal. So I don't, I don't know. You're, you're right. It is. You're right. It is. <laughs> it is eternal. I don't understand how that happens. Look, I will. I will readily admit. I'm, I'm going to admit this on the podcast. Okay. I read everything Joshua Williamson has written for DC leading up to Dark Crisis. I think you read at least like eighty percent. I think the only one thing you didn't read Justice League and Crime, right? right? Yeah. Okay. We one of us should have read Eternals leading up to this. I will readily admit that we should have been should keeping have been up you. with it, and it should have been me, yes, yeah. because but I I'm could at least stomach them. Yeah. However, we did not, so we so I have very little knowledge of how the Eternals actually work or how any of this really is even happening. But my assumption was just Druig has magical space box that is holding the Titan Uranus, and he is able to unlock it for an hour to let him go have fun on Arako and kill everybody. And then at an hour, which he's timing everything out, he vanishes and goes back to Space Box. Okay? That is how I, I read that. Cool? Any, 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 any other... Yeah, go any, back to Space yeah. Box. Okay, sure. go back to Space Box. Alright. So, anyways, like, I am... who Who drew this? Because... I'm convinced Stefano Caselli. I am convinced that Stefano Caselli was like, so can the last page be a splash page? Yeah. Or because he drew it backwards. He yeah, like, he drew it backwards. He was like, everything this. leads to this giant splash page of Magneto coming out of rubble, um, having, like Josh said, what appears to be some semblance of like an electromagnetic heart or something to that effect. Because Magneto gets stabbed through the heart, basically. And then um, just stands up and is like the seat of loss takes takes command, which is what Magneto is on the council. Um, So presumably X-Men Red 6 or Judgment Day 3 or whatever the next part. Next time we see Magneto is going to be uh, Magneto... I'm assuming taking the fight to the Eternals. That would well, kind of be my assumption from the So this the is why it would have been nice if you had read the other, the Death of Mutants and the uh, X-Men. Um, Apologies. But like, there is, there is a lot that happens there. But this is the start of, of an issue that, like, and I, I do like this because we're, we're, when we move into what we talk about with Judgment Day, there is a sense here where um, all these characters are being judged mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, and the Eternals are essentially being judged uh, in that book and then in the X Men book for basically having such like really bad tunnel vision that they can't see beyond like so like mm. very obvious things that could happen. Um, because basically, without going into too much. Well, 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 I guess talk about Death of the Mutants on the next one. Mm-hmm. But without going into it too much, uh, Druid just basically forgets that there are Eternals that don't like him. And the, yeah, huh. yeah, essentially interesting. And then like, and they even they even talk about they're like Druid can't even imagine that someone would attack because he's that arrogant. 
Um, and so that that proves, and Uranus there, I think it says something to the to the effect of like, um, but he, you know, he should have known, you know, <laughs> you make sure your enemy's actually dead, mm-hmm. you know, before you, you know, before you leave, because he just has that. He has the helmet. He just throws it. He's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, guess took care of that guy." And uh, Magneto's he, done. <laughs> he did not take care of that guy. Um, but yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I liked I liked the issue. Um, there was no Odysseus. There were no Odysseus. That's true. Um, that yeah. would have been the best way. I think uh, Uranus could have taken them all out. Just but coming down, just having two Odysseus, <laughs> just sleep powder everywhere. He would have gone from my least favorite character to my favorite character. <laughs> quite frankly, yeah, I'd have been like, "This is the best villain of all time." Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's that's not what happened. Hmm. Uh, to clarify, as Josh said, um, we are a little bit behind on some on some of the issues for Judgment Day. Judgment Day just. It it says strap in because we're throwing all of the tie-ins at you, um, even tie-ins that don't actually tie in. Exactly. Um, we have X Force Thirty, X Men Thirteen, and Death Death of the Mutants right. one, which Josh has read all three. I have not read them yet, so we are not going to be covering those just yet. Um, but yes, that was X Men Red number five. However, we are moving on now to Immortal X Men number five, Ooh. which is a very fun issue. Um, so, Josh, what's what's the start of Immortal X Men Five? What what Dude, uh, ex- like, explain explain the opening to me? Exodus is in the <laughs> desert, and like he's gonna go kill his best friend, mm. and, you know, and uh, he's actually the Black Knight, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, like and then Apocalypse gonna show up, and dude, it's just uh, Exodus is I I. When I was reading this, I was like, I know Jake loves this book because I know he loves Exodus. <laughs> you know, Exodus is just like such a strange, strange character. I love when they put him on the council. I was just amazed because I was like, this was such a weird, weird character. <laughs> like, Exodus, if you don't know, is essentially um, a a Templar knight mutant. Is I mean, that'd be the best way to describe him, right? Sure. He's like a crusading. He's, I mean, he's in the Crusades. Yeah. So he, like, that's he, what he's, he's doing. He, there. He's like a crusading knight mutant. Um, so, like, take all of the uh, insanity and xenophobia of, like, the Crusades and then put it in mutant form and then make him trust Apocalypse for, like, 3,000 years. Or, uh, not really, more like 500 years, but still. still. Make, him, make him trust Apocalypse for 500 years. And you've got Exodus. And so Exodus nowadays is like, you know, he's, he's, he's doing a lot of things that, you know, I think most people find offensive. You know, he's calling Jesus a mutant. You know, that's kind of offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he thinks hope is a new savior. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be offensive to even people who call Jesus a mutant. You know, like, I mean, there's just like, there's a lot going on, you know, with, with Exodus. Um, but, like, the main thing of Exodus is that his, his, uh, his stories are always about how his intense, um, his intense faith or, like, his intense, it's not even faith, his intense religiosity is essentially manipulated by people that are, uh, smarter than he is, mm-hmm. which once again goes back to this whole like Charles Xavier, uh, you know how what mm-hmm. is, is he a good dude mm-hmm. kind of thing because he puts him on the council. Uh, but hey, the other thing about Exodus is like he's a very like he's like a very powerful psychic and a very powerful mm-hmm. uh, warrior all the way around. So mm-hmm. we're gonna get to watch Exodus fight a dragon. Yeah, and it's gonna be amazing. So I you mentioned you mentioned that I would you knew I would love this issue. Yeah. Um, and that's strictly because, you know, you already know this, and as more people listen to Brothers with Issues, they will learn this as well. Um, 
the late 80s and early 90s were almost a lawless land yeah. when it came to comic books. And I mean that in literally the best way possible. Um, because there's so much absolute insanity that happens in those comics. And I will admit, there are certain things that have not aged well when it, from a of, offensive issues in certain things. However, an excess definitely can fall into that for a lot of people. However, he is hilariously ridiculous. And I think that's why I love him so much. Um... So much so that I had actually forgotten who he was whenever he first shows up in House of, Z House of X because he is a very oblique character. He hasn't really shown up in a whole lot of things in the last few years. Um, but then they put, of course, he's on the council and everything, and now we get his whole backstory in this, which I think is actually really interesting that the way that they are attacking all the psychics is basically moving their minds pretty much through their through their memories. Right. Um was that mentioned in Judgment Day One? So it's 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 mentioned even stronger in. Once again, I did uh -oh. Death of the Mutants. Is it mentioned in Death of the Mutants? Okay, <laughs> but like what they're actually doing uh, is really just a stalling tactic. Gotcha. Um, because the Eternals don't have psychics that are as powerful as Xavier, Fair. or even Exodus, or Emma Frost, or or Emma Frost, or, or Jean, Jean Grey, Grey or, or, you know, or, or uh, Hope, Stephen Cuckoo's. I'm and also. Um, Who's Charles' son? Why am I blanking on it? Uh, Legion, David Yes, Holler. Legion, who, you know, another guy that just, Uranus just randomly goes yeah. through, like, and I don't even understand how that happens. Because that one happens off, like, basically off screen. Basically off we screen, do, we yeah. don't We don't so. see it, so that's a weird, that's a weird yeah. one. I yeah. kind of figured we, he's we, we he's would He's on, like, he's, he's on mega level. He's 100% yeah. on mega level. So, um, but anyway, anyway, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. Your, your, your Uranus can't hurt us anymore. Yeah, he can't hurt us anymore. We've moved on. But uh, with Exodus, uh, yeah, we're, we're going through his backstory. And, you know, I mean, you, you talk about Exodus being like an oblique character. He's kind of extremely important to those late 80s comics when they move beyond uh, when Charles gives things over to Magneto. Mm. Um, and uh, basically, you know, has Magneto take over. And, uh, you know, you, you're basically creating all these new villains um, in the late 80s, early 90s because Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil has been your main villains forever. But, like, you know, Mystique's... Not really mutant any. Uh, mutant, not really a villain Whoa. anymore. Um, mm -hmm. After you know, after she makes those weird deals uh, mm -hmm. in the middle of the eighties. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, but she, she's not really. I mean, she's kind of playing back and forth, but she never overtly attacks the X Men again. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you've got so you've got stuff like that. You know, Emma at that point is starting to turn. Yeah. So like all your so all your everything. right all your main villains are kind of. Shifting because and for because some reason all they, of, they don't use Sauron. I don't know why. Because all of Claremont's <laughs> villains, every single one of Claremont's villains were like these really, you know, easy to understand. And so in the late eighties, they were like, well, "We're going to stop beating up on these people and turn them." But so then you had to you had to create new villains, and your new villains were like, "Well, who who can we create that no one would have any issue with beating up?" And you're like. What about a guy who thinks he's God and his acolyte? And then here comes Apocalypse and Exodus, you know, all the way around again. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, you're right, he is an oblique character. I don't think in the 90s and the early 2000s they really knew what to do with him. I don't think he shows up that much. He might show up in, like, some X-Factors or whatever. He goes with Messiah Complex because oh, well, yeah, of obviously. obvious reasons. Yeah, I, never, I don't even know why I even said that because obviously he shows up in Messiah Complex. I don't know what he does. But, I mean, yeah, he'd definitely be there. But when he showed up on the council, 
to me it was just an interesting choice because he's just he's just insane dude like there's no other way around it like he's just nuts you know and he's sitting there next to Mystique and Mr. Sinister and like you know so like you, you've got him you've got it, it, it's just this is why the X-Men are so fun right now because if you're an X-Men fan like you and me are mm-hmm. okay and you've been reading the X-Men you've read like 50 years of this stuff at this point you understand the lunacy and the hilarity of sticking Exodus in between Mystique and Mr. Sinister, two of the most, like, thoughtful and, like, you know, like, uh, always playing the, you know, playing the long game, Mm -hmm. you know, and in between those two, you know, like, extremely, you know, manipulative, deceptive, you know, and, you know, always playing the long game, you know, strategic, Characters, you stick Exodus, who is just basically like, I think it's God told me that uh, God told me mutants are going to take over the world, so that's why I'm doing this. That there's there's something funny about that. Like somewhere <laughs> Hickman, every time Exodus shows up, he's just laughing because he was like, "Yeah, that was my pick." <laughs> you <know? laughs> there you go. Um, I think what what we're ultimately getting at though is that. Sauron should have also been on the Quiet Council. Sure, yeah. Sauron. And wanting to turn everyone into dinosaurs. Is Sauron a mutant? Is he a mutant? Hmm. Is he? Exactly. Is he? Like, he's not, is he? <laughs> no, like, he's not. That's what I thought. He so. is an X-Men villain, though. Yeah, but he's not a mutant. Because he wants to turn so. everyone into dinosaurs. Yes, I know, Jake. He's, I mean, a, he's a giant they probably should have, They probably should have got him to help with the god thing. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, like, <laughs> Would have been a giant dinosaur god. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's moving forward. Um, there was something in here I was really, I was really intrigued by. It might be in Judgment Day. Oh, so one thing I really liked, I really liked this visual because I always like, I always like interesting ways to do psychic battles. Um, they they did it a lot with the, with the Shadow King in the eighties and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they allowed the Shadow King the new mutant run recently. True. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, but with this one, because you have these three the three psychics who are basically going to take down um, one of the giant eternal monsters. I can't remember what it's technically called. Uh, but anyways, Phoebe Hegna. Is that what it is? I don't know, but they're like... They're it's like something Phoebe, to, to that effect, though. Zerus and Phoebe Hegna and... Yeah, so, something They're like at the that. beginning of Judgment Day. I, I like how they, they got their own little, like, character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, wrong. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, Phoebe no, they, th- this, this has been defeating the Unimind. They haven't come out... The, the Hex hasn't happened yet. Right. That's right. Okay, excuse me, excuse me. So, how they're going to defeat the Unimind is... Hope... Um, Emma Frost... Mm-hmm. And Exodus are going to join forces, mm-hmm. and there's this really cool visual where you have Exodus in his Templar outfit with an ice shield like Emma Frost mm-hmm. and diamond shield, excuse me, and a fiery phoenix sword, mm-hmm. and it's just a really cool visual um, of him flying straight at a five-headed dragon that yes. I just I just adore. Just once again, the utter insanity. Uh, someone like that is just beautiful. Um, really, really liked it. Um, of course, like like you'd like I'd already mentioned I just, because I but thought, you passed off. Oh, oh, excuse there's me. This yes. Fantastic part where like Emma's trying to talk to him like a like a normal person, essentially, like right here where Emma's trying to talk to him like a normal person, you know. 
And like he's just like he he's just not listening to any of it, you know. Like we were in the chest, flashing and burning. I see them, you know. And then they're like, "How can anything mortal be so good?" You know, like it's like it's like this really. You've got this weird. One of the things that they've kept that I really do like is like these weird little inter, inter, um, intersection sheets where like it'll be like not a comic sheet, just like you know something telling you, yeah, kind of a prose pros, thing. Yeah. And how they're slashing through, and they even shows like here's where they went through, and here's where they went here, and here's mm-hmm. how they got out. It's just, it's really great. I mean, it's just, and then of course it ends with like this fantastic scene that you were talking about of him like trying to go into the sun, which yeah. is a, which is a throwback, you know, of like him basically trying to sacrifice himself because he doesn't believe in anything anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I really can't remember. So like, I know, I'm, I know that's a storyline. It's after House of M. It's, okay, it's after House of M. So that, that's, he, right he mentions it. Okay, I thought it was. So he's one of the 198. Right, yeah. And he's basically just like, we are done. Like, we are, yeah. mutants are no longer a powerhouse anymore. Um, and so because of it, he he's just like, I think I'm just kind of done. I'm going to throw myself into the sun. Yeah. But when he does it, uh, like it says, he is basically reborn. And that, like... Right after that, he gets like a vision of the Phoenix Force, which is hope. Yeah. Um. Because then Messiah Complex happens like a year and a half later or something like that. I can't remember, but yeah. And there's hope. And there's hope. Yeah. X Men. X Men were really interesting, but also really weird yeah. in the mid two thousands. Hope is the new Jesus for X Men. Well, hope is also great. Yeah. I don't swear, have anything against hope. He swears saying. a lot. Yeah. Which, swear a lot. which is great. You know, and which I think he even says he swear a lot for a savior. Or yes. Something like yeah. That. Yeah. Something to that effect. <laughs> So, yeah, but it's, it, I guess, I think I said this, I don't know if it says in the podcast or I said this to you, but I love, I love good throwaway issues. Mm-hmm. There's almost next to no reason for you to read this comic, um, unless you just really, unless you really are concerned about how they feed the Unimind, mm-hmm. but it's a fantastic, uh, there's almost, it's almost... One of those things where it's like you're going to be missing out on a lot if you don't read this comic, mm-hmm. because what Kieran Gillen does here is really reinforce, you know, the 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 what makes this character interesting. Sure, um, and which plays and, directly into right, the opening exactly. of Day Two. And so, like you know, it, it's um, the last time I saw comics that really like like you had to read them all, but like you didn't have to, but you had to. Was uh, uh, Infinite uh, Infinity War? What, what, what's the one where uh, What's the one where <laughs> Thor throws the hammer through the builder? There's There's a few through the builder. Oh, through the builder. Yeah. Yes, that that that's just called inf- uh, Infinity. Okay, Infinity. Yeah. So yeah, that one, if you remember, had about twenty one offshoots too, mm-hmm. and they were all worthwhile reading. Yeah. This is very similar, you know, like that that book. You're going to be like, hey, doesn't have any, doesn't really move the storyline along, but it does help you understand a player. In the storyline a lot better, um, and I'll go on and say this: like if they go and do that with the Eternals too, it would probably be helpful, even if I'm even if it's going to mm. bother me. But uh, mm. you know, whatever. Mm. Crazy, yeah. Well, we are moving into our last part of the podcast, or at least our last issue of the podcast. Mm-hmm. However, this is going to be a long haul because there's a lot to talk about in this. There issue. is. Um, so we are moving on to Judgment Day two. Yeah. Um, Trying to just kind of holler at y'all before we talk about each issue, because as you can already tell, we are doing a mega spoilers, so, you know, if you have not checked these out yet, um, if you had to check out the first two and you missed that, I apologize, because we just talked all about those, but, so, 
like you you talked about how Mortal X-Men 5 is technically a throwaway issue, but of course, like, literally the very first thing you see after you see uh, those guys doing their thing um, is Exodus screaming, Avant Eternal Beast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to toss you in into, you know... Well, I mean, you need, look, if, if at the end of one, you knew those beasts were attacking, so you knew sure. it was coming, and Exodus is going to look at everything that looks like a dragon and, and be say, like, Avant Eternal Beast. Here we go, let's do this. <laughs> you know, that's kind of his thing. But I did, I did skip over just a little bit, um, because the actual first page right. is six panels. Right. Featuring different people from the cities of London, Vancouver, Mumbai, Sao Paulo, New York, and Yokohama. Everyone's important, Greg. And everyone's important. Everyone what is did, important. What did you think about this concept of of this? Particularly so with, with what happens so, at the end of the issue. So I, I read that first page and I started to guess. You know, because like I said, I've been trying to like put together where this thing's going. Mm-hmm. Because I knew... As much as I wanted, we weren't going to be like, we're going to kill the Eternals. So I knew, I knew that wasn't going to happen, okay? <laughs> so I was trying to guess where this thing was going. And the, everyone is important. Um, you have six characters with six completely different, uh, from six completely different moral stances. Mm. Um, and I was like, all right, that, that's going to feed into the Judgment Day somehow. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they go with that further. Of course, what's interesting, that's the girl from the beginning of yeah. Judgment Day 1, um, or X-Men... X-Men 11 or, some, or okay. 12 or something but you're like one, that. The, yeah. the, the one that when Jean Grey's looking at is like they're angry. Yeah, because he's talking about... I think about, it's Judgment Day 1, actually. Well, because he's even talking about... She talks about her... Um, and now her child is dead, and it turns out the mutants were only ever on their side. Yeah. But genocide, no, never. She looks around. These aren't her people uh, either. Right. And so, you kind of get this. It's kind of sad because you get that sense that she really just truly feels alone in the universe now because she has no hope for the mutants. She has no hope for the Eternals, and she can't really hope for humanity, which is currently wanting a complete genocide of the mutants at least yeah, surrounding I mean, it's, her. It's, it's, uh, yeah, all right, okay. I hate when you do this because it always ends up being. And here comes Heartless Josh, but mm. no, no. Does she? Does she have? Is, is is the internet? Is Wikipedia in in the in this world? I would assume. Okay. Yes. Well, let's just look up mutant atrocity for five seconds, okay? And, and let's let's once again examine. I, I understand. Look, I, I get that I'm always going to be like on the side of the X Men here, and I understand that, and I realize that's going to cause some problems in seeing things from both sides in this book. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's the why I, I'm here. But but at the same time, <laughs> the idea of just like. And the mutants were definitely on our side. Well, ma'am, like, like, like they were. They, every single time the mutants gain any type of foothold, someone comes along. It's like I think it's time to drop a bomb on the mutants, and then somebody, and then that happens, and then Magneto kills one person. You are like, oh my gosh, oh no, Magneto killed a person. I guess we've got to kill everybody. Let's just blow up Genosha. And by the way, by, by the way, lady. Look up where Genosha is on on your Wikipedia. There's nothing there anymore except the bodies of dead mutants. Some of them women and children. So let's not. So no, I, no, I, I'm I don't. I'm not worried about her not having a place anymore. I think it's really sad that her daughter died. But at the same time, there's been a lot of daughters die in the in the X Men universe. Okay, over the years, and I, I just that that no. I, I I knew you were gonna do that, and I, I knew it. I was ready for it. You know, Noticing. and I was like. I was like, mm. no, I'm not gonna let that one slide. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, 
No sympathy for Jada here. All no. right. I mean, some sympathy for Jada, but but not on this whole lot. Like, not not on know, that aspect, at least. You know. Well, Jada. So the interesting thing, though, is I think she's kind of turning around. Mm-hmm. I, I I think she is. Yeah, she thinks genocide's a bad idea. You're right. She's turning well, around. There <laughs> we go. Okay. Good. Yes. Good. All right. We got some. <laughs> she's thinking clearly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Genocide's a bad idea. Okay. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing, right That's next to David Goyer character growth right, right there, man. That's shut what that up. is. Oh my gosh. Once I thought genocide was a bad idea, but uh, Oh. Oh no, it is David Goyer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right right next to her is Daniela, which that one actually kind of hurt me. Um because Daniela yeah. She ain't got time for Daniela doesn't even stop disaster happening. Bad. Getting a non-five-star rating would be worse. Yeah. However, yesterday she was thinking it would be nice to be mutant, free everything, beaches, immortality. Today she's reminded of the downside. Still, part of her thinks it was nice that the Eternals told me. Yeah. Um, I get where she's coming yeah, from. Yeah, because she's working like four jobs yeah. or something like that, and she literally just doesn't even have time to think about the yeah. fact that horrible things are happening outside her window. Right. Which, let me tell you... Um, Having worked through a global pandemic, um, dealing with the public, let me tell you, an eternal uh, Leviathan could drop out of the sky, and someone would still be like, I want want food, or I want a coffee, or I want a DVD. She's like, she's serving. Yeah, she's she's serving, and there's tremors. And she's like like trying to come from during the earthquake and hoping it doesn't affect her tip, but I'm just like... Like man, Karen Gill is talking to somebody. <laughs> he, uh, he, he had some conversations. Well, she's not getting ten percent. There was a there was a mutant catastrophe outside. Right. God, I hope she gets more than ten percent. Why did I say ten percent? Uh, Good probably lord! What she's getting. Oh god! Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! Here's three dollars in Sao Paulo. Hopefully yeah. not. Oh man. Anyways, moving on to the. Uh, to the uh, oh, and the the last one is well. Look, here's the thing: you've got you've got a guy who hates mutants, you got a yeah. guy who likes mutants, you got a guy who's like the the uh, heroes are always save us. Okay, mm-hmm. he's seen everything, so they're always going to save us. So he's not scared at all. And then you have you've got a hustle culture girl, yep. you've got uh, genocide's bad girl, and then you've got this dude who's like really just kind of in the social media the social media of it all. Yeah. Between the six of them, you've got a pretty... I'm not... Look, here's the thing. I know Al get angry at us because I know he's, he's not a big fan of sociology and that kind of thing, but you've got a pretty big... you got a pretty good example of like how people are thinking about the world today. Sure. Um, because you've got... You, you, you've essentially... It reminds me of those TikTok videos where like, he goes from like how far left thinks, how center left thinks, how left thinks, how moderate thinks. Have you seen those? Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that because you've got how far left, far right, you've got... I mean, you've got... Kill the mutants, love the mutants, and you've got the stuff in between. You got the guy that doesn't care. You got the guy who can't care. Like it really is an interesting aspect. And one of the things a lot of the a lot of these event comics get uh, trashed for because it, because I don't know if y'all know or not, but like one of the main complaints about comic books is event comics, mm-hmm. even though they're all routinely the highest sellers. But like <laughs> still, one of the main complaints is like, oh, it's event comic fatigue. Do 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 do, which I, I've never understood. But whatever. Um, but like one thing to get trashed for is like you know well nothing ever affects the world 
you know, everything goes back to normal after. Kieran Gillen, it looks like he's very much... I don't think he can do it without it affecting right. the world. He, yeah. Well, yeah, particularly at the end, but like, mm-hmm. Kieran Gillen's very much wanting us to keep a ground level uh, view of this as well, which is mm-hmm. one of the things I liked about, uh, which is one of the things I really liked about, uh, is it Jerry or Gary Dugan? Is it Jerry or Gary? I thought it was Jerry Duggan. Oh my God! Okay. All right, all right. So Mr. I, thought, I thought it was Jerry Duggan. Okay, I all right, Jerry Duggan. Okay, <laughs> okay. We're gonna go with that, Mr. Duggan or Mr. Duggan. If you're listening to this, please. Uh, we are us. sorry, but we are huge fans. We are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but one thing I really liked about his X Men run is like there was a very clear, um, established concept of these are the X Men trying to work amongst humanity mm-hmm. and so humanity really mattered on that that's why Ben Yurk mattered so much mm-hmm. that's one of the things I really do like about this comic and I hope they keep this thing going because I mean it, it shows up throughout this comic sure I didn't want to interrupt you there I'm sorry no 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 no, no you're fine no um, you know one of the I, I'm, that actually leads me to the next part which is perfect because what happens after that you know because you do have the the two I'm just going to call them Leviathans because they are gigantic well, eternal Well, they're the Hex, right? I mean, no, well, no, the no, he- no the listen, listen they're named them. at the beginning, the Hex. So, like, that one is... Oh, okay. Phoebe. Sign the, the Mimitar. Okay. And Phoebe Re- Reganax. Uh-huh, see? I was close. Okay. I said Phoebe Regna. Yeah, and it's Reganax. Okay. And then sign the Mimitar. Yes, right. okay. Okay, All excuse right. me. Never mind. We're not calling them Leviathans anymore. Yes. It is Phoebe Reganax and Signed right. Minotaur. Right, okay, all right. Let's respect right. the Eternals. Which, hex. for the record, that's not Minotaur. It's, it's Mim. It's M-E-M-O-T-A-U-R. Mimitar. Right. Yes. Um, anyways, so they're attacking the island. Um, actually, there's... Oh, crap. I think there's more that we just don't really talk about. But those two... I know those two are definitely there, but I think it's just the Hex... You know what you talk about them? <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> apparently, all right, guys. Apparently, so you need to put all other comics except for Avengers, <laughs> X Men, Eternals, Death to the Mutants, uh, number one. Apparently, that's the, that's the key to all of this. Um, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyways, could not I sw- resist. We're gonna stop recording. I'm gonna read it immediately. Yeah. I swear. Um, but yeah, so so all the mutants are basically trying on Krakoa are basically trying to hold off. Excuse me. Six different giant Eternals that are just wrecking havoc, mm-hmm. trying to destroy their island, trying to kill all these different, all the different mutants. And once again, it's the same situation with Araco With you know, and and because this is something that we don't really focus on a lot, because you know when we focus on the X Men, we focus on all the guys who are on teams that can fight and are combatants. But you know, there are just so many that are just. You know, either teenagers who just got their powers, or there are people who were given abilities that just don't really do a whole lot for combat. You know, I mean, I love even someone like you know, like iBoy, but like if you put him by himself, like he can't. He really, can find all the weaknesses. He can find all the weaknesses, and he can tell like Cyclops shoot there, which honestly would be an inter- would be a good way of doing Real it. Real quick, read Leah Williams' uh, X Factor because iBoy is amazing in that thing. iBoy is amazing, as is Leah yeah. Williams, and I can't wait for Exterminators. Which right, is going to be fantastic. Um, but fortunately, you get this really cool shot where the Avengers are coming to help. Um, I have apparently missed a few issues of Avengers because I did not know that Nighthawk from Squadron Supreme had joined them. Um, but there he is, right on, right at the cover there, right at the f- top there. 
Um, so yeah, you know, cra- craziness. I, I could, I, I, I was fairly caught up. I know that Echo is Phoenix, but I, but apparently you missed like three issues of a Jason Aaron run, and you've you've missed the world. You never know. Um, yeah. But um, but the reason I want to talk about this part is because you mentioned you mentioned the aspect of mutants within the world and mutants viewed by the rest of the world and how you know they've always been alone. Um, I am skipping ahead just a little bit because it is part of the same scene, but there is a point where, yeah, so there is a point where they start, they fend off against one, one or two of the, of the hex, but because of it, like, tsunamis are just about to crash all across the globe, um, they're, they're like, the entire world's basically about to be wrecked, you know, not like... Apocalyptic, but like a lot of a lot of stuff's about to go down um, because of this fight, and so Cyclops says, "You know, if you deal with the fallout, that's one less problem for us to worry about." And Captain America says, "Thank you, Scott. You're heroes. One day people will see you as you really are," which yes is the hope because that's Captain America. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but of course, immediately Exodus is like. Uh, it's good to have a reminder that they abandoned us in the middle of our fight. And Nightcrawler's, of course, trying to be like, no, that's not what's happening here. But, you know, even... Destiny, like the queen she <laughs> is. Destiny says, that is accurate, child. I see the future. And I remember the past. We stand alone. We always did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ee. Ee. Um, but, yeah, that's kind, of a, that's kind of an interesting concept where you still have the... There's, a, there's another... You left out a part which you probably didn't want, and you, pro- might, and you might have read and just immediately forgot it because it's Cyclops getting the moral high ground on Captain America, and that probably made your brain explode. But there's the part <laughs> where... <laughs> Excuse me. I thought that came after. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> there's the part where Captain America's like, after all this, how can you keep secrets? And Cyclops goes, after all this, how could we not? Yeah. Fair point, Cyclops. Holy cow! Mm. Never thought I'd side of you over Captain America, but hey, <laughs> that's that's yeah, where we're at right now. That's where we're at in the world. <laughs> yeah. Cyclops, uh, Cyclops, since the Hickman run, uh, has had a fantastic glow up. Just for he the has um, um, finally, finally taking all the aspects of himself. They've done a real good job of him having still having kind of the kind of the darkness of the. Of the for lack of a better term, terrorist Cyclops. Yeah. But at the same time, having all the leadership abilities that he's learned throughout the years. Also Kieran Gillen, isn't it? The Kieran Gillen dude... I thought Uncanny was Kieran Gillen and uh, Jason Aaron was Wolverine the X-Men. I could I could absolutely be wrong about that. Um, That's possible. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to look that up later. Um, I've read a lot of comics. There, there are a lot of comics. There's a lot of good X-Men comics. Yeah. Um, no, I... So... I'm glad you mentioned Cyclops because I did want to point out because it's it is weird for me to see Cyclops in any comic and be like, oh, good, Cyclops is here. Yeah, but he, but that's how he's but been. But in the last three years that has happened, that he's um, and also I I will admit I have also started paying more attention to him in a different light because of and I would gladly give this podcast a shot any time a shout out any time uh, Cerebrocast right. Um, their episode on um, on Cyclops 
is very, very interesting, very eye-opening. Forgive me, I can't remember the gentleman who was the guest on that one, but I know that Connor Goldsmith is the is the uh, host, and one of the things, he, he, he can't stand Cyclops either for a long time because he's a big Madeline Pryor fan, which anyone who knows anything about Madeline Pryor and Scott knows that that's an uh, interesting uh, turn of events. Yeah, and he did also, her dirty. He absolutely did her dirty. Well, so they talk. We won't go into all that. Yeah. You should we'll absolutely all that. Goblin Queen and all that, but that's okay. <laughs> we, yeah. we should absolutely. You should absolutely go go listen to that episode. It's like episode nine or ten, I think. It's pretty early. Um, all the Cerebrocast stuff is fantastic, especially for an X Men fan. Um, they do swear and get dirtier um, a lot more than we do on Brothers with Issues. So just a heads yes. up on that. Yet that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I want the thing about Cyclops because the, the thing that I find interesting about Cyclops um, is a thing that I've always that I used to say about Peyton Manning for years hmm. is that everyone in the world thinks Peyton Manning is the best quarterback in the world except for Peyton Manning, hmm. and it's a very similar concept of Cyclops. If you look throughout what Claremont, particularly what Claremont does, because I don't think Claremont likes him either. Like what Claremont really does with him throughout is like, this is the guy who's had leadership thrust upon him, whether he was ready for it or not. Mm-hmm. And does he have that ability? You know, and then like he goes through all this tragedy, he doesn't know how to cope with it, hence Madeline Pryor, you know. And then like when we get into the 90s and the 2000s, he's, ba- I mean, it, he starts turning to a freaking autocrat, mm-hmm. you know, and then an outright terrorist, yeah. you know, because that's, that's where the path he was set on logically end Mm -hmm. but what Hickman does is like basically say all those things are what have made him what he is now Um, you know like seeing your seeing what you were when you were a teenager you know and seeing how full of hope you were you know and stuff like that Mm -hmm. he's had the opportunity to do that and it's changed him Um, you know so I I, I do like it's it's I see Cyclops in a different way too because he's a much more interesting character when you realize like he's not just you know, like the horrible fuddy duddy. You know, it's like mm. that's him trying to overcompensate for the fact that yeah, everyone else around I me. Mean, Cyclops can shoot beams out of his eyes, but he's next to the best killer in the world, a guy who can uh, teleport at will, a guy who can turn himself with a metal and a literal uh, weather wick. Yeah. So like, you know, you've got to overcompensate at that sure. point. So <laughs> I got lasers. <laughs> exactly. You know. So you know, to me, that's that that it makes him interesting. And so yeah, no, I, I really like where he's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, and I, by the way, I was a big fan of uh, Captain Krakoa. I just want to throw that out there, you know. Sure, because I yes. think last week we were kind of making fun of it, but I love the idea. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, but it's just the—I mean—the worst part about it is, is that it's that's that's very clearly Scott. Scott <laughs> exactly. <Scott's laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely. Like that looks just like Cyclops. <laughs> Where did this new mutant come from? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, mo- moving on. Because um, of course, because of course, like like I said, they do. They do defend off against the Hex, um, and then they have to kind of deal with the, the Avengers have to deal with the Fallout while the the X-Men are just kind of also trying to deal with the Fallout and figure out basically what's going to happen next, pretty much. Um, but we switch at this point to Tony Stark, Ajak, and Makari, right? Right. Who are trying to build a god. And Mr. Sinister. And Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister's the one I want to talk to you about. They've taken this gag off. They have taken this gag off. Maybe I've missed it because there was a lot going on in this issue. 
What is the purpose of Mr. Sinister being there? I did not catch that. I mean, he's a geneticist. Okay. Is there anything else beyond that? No, but I mean, like, we talked about this last week, though. I mean, like, he's... I mean, because I, I... Dude, listen, I question... See Podcast 3. I question this <laughs> heavy. Okay? But even like, more so, I don't know why he's... The, I don't know why they want him there. He's he's the master geneticist of... Like, I mean, he's... I mean, seriously? Like, I'm, I'm just saying, like... Like, I mean, Tony pull Tony's kind of being a... You know what? When he's like, you know, when I pull this off, Reed will be as green as Bruce. Ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, because there's always that little competition there. Sure. But, like... But, yeah, I mean... Reed... Um, Ultron, Hank Pym, Mr. Sinister, and I guess maybe Mora, you pointed out. Those are your geneticists. Yeah. You know, those are your guys. I mean, like, that's, in my opinion, that's why he's there. You know? I mean, he's helping write the script, essentially. You know? He's very good at, at, at he, he understands the script of how things are made. Okay? And, like, he kind of goes into that later. You know, he says, I really wish you'd let me put some things in between the margins there. <laughs> Which I don't even know what that means. And, it's terrible. I kind of... <laughs> I kind of agree. No, I'd like to have seen it, honestly. You know. Um. But to your point, no, he shouldn't be there. Yeah, I, was about, I was about to say. Like, I mean, like, I mean, if, if you're, if you're, the way this ends, which is the only way it could have ended, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. But I mean, it's just one of those like, guys, just like Ajax and Akari. Just, I mean, like their entire. The faith they have in this plan is just ludicrous, you know. And the fact that, like, I mean, and it's playing right into... I mean, I'm telling you, like, there's a reason it's called Judgment Day because basically, every, this is funny, every single issue that every single podcaster and TikToker with a mic have had with all the superheroes are about to be exposed. Mm. Because the fact that Tony Stark is just like, absolutely, I want to be, you know, I, huh, yeah, model God after me, ha, 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 you know, it'll be fun. The fact that he can't look at what he's doing and be like, this is a bad move, <laughs> like, is just, is just ridiculous, you know? I mean, to me, to look, to me, the the response here, and the fact that Captain, and like, and I, I don't know what, you know, like, you know, like, you'd be like, well, what are you going to judge Captain America on? I guess trusting his friends too much, because, like, I don't know what in the world Cap is thinking here. Because, to me, this is very, should very much be in the, in the, you know, in the frame of, you know, Tony Stark being like, well, we'll die, and Captain America being like, well, we'll do that together. Because mm-hmm. the Eternals are, you know, I mean, the combined force of the Avengers and, and the X-Men and the Eternals who are against the Eternals, like, it's just Druig, you know? It's like, it's Druig mm-hmm. and Super Thanos, like, that's yeah. all you gotta deal with. You know, I understand these hex guys are bad, but like you literally already killed a god to get to get your to get where you're living in. Like I don't like the the fact that like they can't see that is why this is judgment day. It, it there's there's a there's a meta to it that reminds me of like some of the meta stuff that like Tom King was doing with his Batman, uh, that Scott Snyder did with his Batman, mm-hmm. where he's like trying to answer questions about like you know, like why doesn't Batman kill, you know, and like you know, stuff like that. Um there's a sense, I think, that that's what's going on here. Like, we're okay, fine, we're going to answer these questions, you know? Yeah, Tony Stark is. He does have a god complex. Apparently, literally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, there's your boy, I, Fastos. There is my boy, my boy, Fastos. Is, yeah. that, is that my boy? That's your boy. Is Fastos my boy? That's your boy. Okay, alright. Yeah, uh, so fast. They do, they do bring in Fastos to also work on creating the god. Um... 
Which makes sense, him being the the like creator and everything and the engineer, basically. Um But uh but yeah, we do have a lot of um There's a panel down here at the bottom where I am wondering if Mr. Sinister is playing them somehow. Like on something. Because look at that face. Well, he's just being a he's just being an ass. I mean, like that's Mr. Sinister. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, like that looks like a man who wants this god to come to come alive. Like he'll be the first one judged. <laughs> True. Like, what are you like? What? I don't. I don't know. I, like, I, I don't know. No, I, just, I don't think there's any like real like. I mean, Mister Mister to his point. Like there's like no no. The where, where's the part where he calls them cockroaches? Where he uh, says you're on my planet, you know, and you're all cockroaches. Okay. <laughs> Mister Sinister believes that there is no mm-hmm. part of Mister Sinister that wants the world destroyed. Okay. Good I mean, point, I can. Yeah. I could say that, I, but I did like that face at the bottom. It was, yeah, I think it was great. It is, it is a, it's very much a Mr. Sinister face. But actually, no. The better part there is that the part where, like, he says we've made God in our in our own image. Uh, let's see. Is that where she says that line? We have made a God more like us. The scripture is key. Whatever the God is, it will be the Word made flesh. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's a. Mm. Yeah. What mm. the smartest people in the world just standing there going, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yes, uh, sure, sounds like a great idea. You know, like the the problem with so here's here's the issue. Okay, like there's there's gonna be there's gonna be Christians that'll read this comic and they're gonna view it as like a oh my god blasphemy. Okay, but let me tell you something. I have never read a comic in my life. Okay, that has made a bigger stance. For the concept of like the issues with humanism, because when you make God in your own image, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're doing. The Eternals, the fact that it's fu- it's funny that the Eternals are doing this because the Eternals, their main issue is they all think they're basically demigods anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, we're making another one of us, do to do, and they find out very hard that that's not what they're doing. You know, sure. But not that that to me was the most interesting line in the whole book was you know the idea of like, you know. We've made a god that, you know, thinks like us, you know, and so yeah. you know, Eeyoo. Eeyoo, yeah, that's a bad idea. You don't want a god that thinks like you. That is that ain't that it. That is very very true. Um, let's see. There was something else I had planned on asking you about. Like beyond just, I mean, obviously, yeah, that final page of you have twenty four hours to justify yourself, you know. Well, one of um, the things we do find out, of course, is that our narrator has been this god all along. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. That's something you find out about halfway through. Um, but yeah, I do. I like that ending line of "See, you are all important." Yeah, every single one of you. Yes, everybody. <laughs> because important. if they don't. So, because it's it's basically the it's similar to the question from Scott Snyder's Justice League of Are you leading towards justice or are you leading towards doom? Because you know of like the different forces. Let's not skip that. Oh yeah. I remember what I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, um, 
real quick. Yeah, we will get we will get to that. But like I would say, you know, the it's interesting because that que the question like it seems like the the central theme of what they're trying to go for is the same thing that Scott Snyder was doing in a Justice League run of dealing towards Justice League towards Doom, because of course the entire point of Lex Luthor in that run is basically like we are inherently evil. Evil. We are inherently Doom. You know, and then Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and uh, John Stewart and all of them, they have to be like, nah, fam, we, we, we all some good peeps, right. you know. Exactly, like, I just, that's, yeah. that's four years of well, comics in one sentence. Four years of comics in one, in, in ten seconds. There you yeah. go, guys. Nah, fam, we good peeps. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you do bring up a very valid point. I, I guess the page was sticking together because I was trying to find I was like, I knew there was something that happened in the middle of a fight scene that I wanted to ask you about. Because um, there's this big there's this big scene where Exodus sacrifices himself um, to take down... It's the Mimotar. It is the Mimotar, yes. Yeah. Excuse me, yes. Take down the Mimotar. Um... And as the as we now know, the celestial god is narrating, and he says something to the to the point of, while inside a pocket dimension, the machine that is Earth does what it does and has done for a million years. And Skips then, and, and then, then nothing. nothing. Yeah, and goes to the next panel. You see, you, know, you see a little pocket dimension. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what's happening there. Um, I okay. Unless, like, okay, once again, this is a, this is a Karen Gillan book. Unless, like, because I have not read Immortal X Men two, three, or four, and I have not read um, any Eternals. So unless there's something in those, I can tell you right now, in X Men and Immortal X Men, unless they just deviate off a path that I have not read, <laughs> the pocket dimension of Earth doesn't come into play. And I don't. I have a hard time believing it comes into play in Eternals. Um, it does seem like something that's just like stuck there, and that we're gonna find out more about. Yeah. Later, but it's um, very weird. Read it one more time. What does it say? So the opening thing that says "No time for peaceful mutants in wartime." While inside a pocket dimension, the machine that is Earth does what it does and has done for a million years. Huh. Like I don't know. I don't know. Are we going? You know, it's Hickman esque for one. Yeah, it, it's um, it's way beyond anything Karen Gillan's done. Mm -hmm. Really, I mean, it's typically not as far as not not his style to really uh, jump into this kind of thing. At least sure. at least as far as his uh, big two books go. This is really the first, at least for for me. Like like, like you said, with big two stuff, because um, I have not read Wick, Wicked and Divine, and I have not read. Well, yeah, Wicked and Divine would definitely be in, in that. would be more so that, yeah. that style. But there's something else he wrote that I can't think of right now. But Did he write East and West? No, that's Jonathan Hickman. Oh, it's okay. Also Hickman. Yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. It all comes back. Um, but this is... With his Big Two stuff, one of the things that I mean, me and Al talked about with Darth Vader is he is very character-focused. Yeah. He is very dialed in. With this... He's kind of more so explosive because he has to be, you know, because we are doing a lot of world building stuff. We're doing a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. I'm wondering if I think you're right. I think that is going to come into play sooner or later. I mean, obviously, I would hope that they don't mention a random pan like, like 
this, this should not be Chekhov's pocket dimension. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, or, or, actually, it should be Chekhov's pocket dimension. I hope that sooner or later that shows up. Um, because I think he is trying to use this to kind of build himself into something akin closer to the style of Jonathan Hickman. At least with, with, with what he's doing right now with Eternals and Judgment Day and everything else. Because it's all bigger than anything so, else he's done before. So I got a prediction for you. Mm. You ready? Okay, so... Does so, it involve Death of the Mutants? No, it Okay, does that's not. good. It does not. Okay. I will not bring that up anymore. <laughs> um, so... This ends, of course, with the ultimate backfire. Um, you know, the, the Hex rises again. They start to attack the X-Men again, and but luckily, you know, they have built the god just in time, mm. and the god says cease, you know, and then the god says, hey, you all have 24 hours, you've been, how's he put it, you've been completely wicked to each other, or your your unkindness towards each other. Uh, he calls them wicked children at one point. Bickering children, yeah. excuse me. Um, you have acted with unrelenting unkindness to one another, which, yeah. Lord, yeah. I, fair. <laughs> you ain't just whistling Dixie. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, like you know, if he, if you can't find um, enough good in the world, then the world will be judged, and we're going to destroy all of it. Okay. So, Karen Gillan is uh, the world Solomon Gomorrah. I swear, because <laughs> Karen Gillan, I, it, it, this is this is Solomon Gomorrah thing. Karen mm-hmm. Gillan, very clearly. Uh, has a tangential relationship with the Bible at the very least, because it is Sodom and Gomorrah. It's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Um, only more brutal in the sense of like you know, mm. like God was only asking for ten, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, this God's like we're we're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna do this, you know, like it's a popular vote election, okay? You know, if you're good, you know, you know, you got 24 hours to justify yourselves. Um, what is interesting um, to me, okay, and why I think that pocket dimension is there is, you know, the celestials are interesting because they're gods who don't really create. They're, so, like, they that's their issue. Like, they yeah. don't have creation abilities, or at least as far as I know, they have destruction abilities. And everything that they destroy, that's how they bring life. Mm. Um, but they don't. They can't. They they don't have the ex nihilo creation thing that like the builders do. Uh, you know, to be able to pull something out of nothing. Mm. Okay. So, for me, that pocket dimension, his plan, this God's plan, um, is to like destroy this earth, and then start over and repopulate with the earth in that pocket dimension. Mm. You know, and you're gonna find out there's gonna be a point. I think I could be wrong. There's gonna be a point where like Tony Stark's like. In the center of this earth, there's a pocket dimension earth that if we don't get to it, it's going to blow up this earth. I mean, something like that, you know. Like, that's, you know, that's, that's, I think that's the plan. I think that's what it is. I read, I read those last, like, five pages, like, ten times. That's the only thing I could come up with, you know. So, that's how you think it ends? Well, I don't know. I, no, I don't think no, that's how it okay. ends, but I think that, that's going to be your major situation issue. ends? Yeah. I think that's your major issue. You know, because this this is no longer an Eternals versus everyone else fight. That's true. You know, um, this is this is Judgment Day, so everyone is getting judged. Um, you know, what's it? I will say this: this is this is in Death to the Mutants. Oh my gosh! I knew <laughs> you were going to say it. There is a there's a fantastic part because it's it's that line is adjusted to. 
to the Eternals to justify yourselves. Mm. I think that's great. You know? Yeah. Um, because, once again, that's meta. Yeah. Plus it's... Uh, oh, well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm. that's, that's them answering me. And, of course, my yeah. answer is... They can't. They can't. Just, you yeah. know, wipe them out. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Any closing thoughts or anything? Any yeah, I, dude, I really like where this is going. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, uh, and it's here's the thing, like, you're coming to a situation where all of these characters are in a place where they probably deserve to be judged. Because we, we've talked about, we've already talked about the X-Men and like how some of their stuff they're doing is dubious. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the mutants of like Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Mr. Sinister. Not Magneto because he's perfect. Uh, <laughs> but like all of them. All accepted. Yeah. But like the, the dubious stuff they've done. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I, I spent some time, you know, trying to catch up, figuring out what, you know, well, how's Fantastic Four in this? Well, Dan Slott's been taking the Fantastic Four into a very morally dubious place. Mm. You know, uh, like things like, you know, like Johnny having, like, being, like, attached, like his soul being attached to Doom's adopted daughter, but cheating on her so that everything, uh, everything huh. she feels, he feels, and vice versa. And so, like, she feels the guilt, and then Johnny feels the guilt, but keeps doing it. Like, that kind of thing uh, apparently happens. And, like, you know, Dan, Dan Slott, for all his, for, for as much as I love the guy, if there's a guy who you're just like when he when he gets on when he gets on to a character you're just like oh he's gonna make my my favorite character do bad things, you know because that's what he does, and like all these characters right now whatever Spider-Man's doing with like you know Spider-Man, uh, Zeb Wells this whole thing it started with there was a catastrophe that happened that was Spider-Man's fault, mm. so he's gonna get judged. Uh, Carol has been screwing around with magic, and like yeah. that's probably not a good thing. Probably not great. Uh, you know it's like she's gonna get judged. You know like so there's a there's a sense of this is a perfect timing kind of thing because all your characters are kind of in this like weird morally dubious position. But this over the corner, this Captain America and Echo that's being like, I told y'all. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Except for Cap and Echo. You know, um, yeah. And Blade. I, I think Blade's okay. You think Blade's okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, right. I think Blade's fine. Blade's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the like the celestial guy looks at him and goes, He just killed vampires. He's good. He's, 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 he's good. good. Yeah. He's yeah. Thumbs up, Blade, give a thumb on back, you know, just like Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 that that guy looks at him and goes, You know what, some some of them just want to try to ice skate uphill, don't they? Blade's like, Absolutely. That's what happens. Now go talk to Icarus, you know. Like, yeah. Oh man. I would go broke if that scene happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have three perfect examples of humanity on this yeah. on this earth. Yeah. And that is Captain America, Steve Rogers, Echo, Phoenix, Echo, and Blade. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Alright, guys. Thank you all so very much for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. Next time we're going to talk about Death of the Mutants. I promise. I'm going to read it. Apparently you all should too. Apparently it's the Josh says it's the standout book of really 2022. Um, I think Death of the Mutants and X-Men I, were both really I, good. I feel really bad for Tom. Who Dan, wrote Death of the Mutants? Like, he was... Uh, mm. 
he, yeah, do, you know, do you want us? Do you want me to go on an hour long rant? <laughs> no, don't go on an hour. Long I just read one bad day. I can do it. How good Tom King is. Don't don't yeah. do that. I also need to read that too. Yeah. Uh, Kieran Gillen wrote Death of the Mutants. Okay, so, so Kieran Gillen is doing the main. He Kieran Gillen. Kieran Gillen's busy, so he's doing the main title, Death. The three Death of the Mutants uh, tie-ins. Immortal X Men and Immortal X Men. I think it's just that because Eternals is done right now. I think yeah. they're on a hiatus during all this. Right. Um, Death of the Mutants and, and X Men are books that go together. Gotcha. Um, okay. And they're both very, they're both very good. Like I said, I, I love, I love the, I love the X Men team. Uh, they're Gary, Gary, Gary Duggan. Gary Duggan is finding fantastic ways to. Uh, Really, just like integrate their powers and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I love Sync. Sync is Sync, Sync I, is becoming a standout. I was just about dude. to say, like, I love Sync. I, th- I think Sync. I hope is, Sync stays on the X Men forever. I agree. Like he yeah. is so great, you know. So that's a, I, where is he from? Do you know? I thought he like was first from, t- isn't he not Generation X? Is he? I thought he's in the Gen X group. Oh, I think yeah, I think you're right. Him and Monet and Husk and uh, uh, well. Jubilee. Jubilee. Well, hang on. My, my boy. Your boy Chamber. My boy Chamber. Your boy Chamber. Where's uh. Chamber? Why don't, they, why don't they throw Chamber into the Mimotar and have him just blow up? Chamber's a pacifist. Is he, is he, is he really Chamber a pacifist? Chamber is legitimately now? a pacifist. Okay. That was that was a big plot point in... Well, what was the plot point in? Something. <laughs> was it, we need it, to shut this might, down. Might have been an X-Factor. Okay, we're, we're shutting this down, guys. <laughs> before I go off on Chamber... <laughs> Chamber is amazing. Hush. Okay. You guys have a wonderful evening. Thank you all so much for listening to us. We have many other episodes of this and other segments coming. Y'all are the best. Hope y'all remember that fandom is for everyone. This has been Brothers with Issues, where we have issues. And you'll want them too. You guys have a good night. We'll see y'all next time.